This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 211 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equity. Poplar Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Back with our producer, Glenn. Hey, Philip. Hey, Reese. <laughs> hey, Glenn. We're glad you're back. Hey, Philip. I got to uh, say, that new uh, internet connection you got up there is working so much better. I know. We just uh, we moved. I think I mentioned that last week. Maybe I did or didn't, but we moved and we got a new internet provider and new everything and so yeah it's good i think it's great i am really glad to see that the internet finally made it up to the great north <laughs> <laughs> yeah they even have the internet on computers now oh wow <laughs> terrific do you guys have yeah. cell phones and everything uh yes <laughs> most of us carry a cell phone other things you need to know about canadians <laughs> We don't well, all guys. live in igloos. Yeah. We don't all well, own sled dogs. <laughs> it's actually warm Have here. Have you ever today. driven a sled dogs? I think no. that'd be fun, actually. I think it would be fun. Yeah. I, I think it's got to be... Well, I don't think it's similar to riding at all. They don't have, like, little dog bits and things like that. Yeah, but so. I, I drive, so I'm wondering how, you know, how much it would be like driving a horse, you know? Would it be similar? I think they're all voice command. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah I'd be fun. So, it would be fun if it wasn't for the cold and the trip. snow. Yeah, field trips, <laughs> dog sledding in the Yukon. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, Reese. We'll let you get back to horses now. I know. I was. I've been. I tried to jump in, everybody, but I wasn't able to do it. We're but off uh, topic today. I think we're yeah, a, yeah. Have you guys had a good week, Philip? How are the horses? Horses are good. Everything. Everything is good. We haven't. We don't have any shows coming up, so it's going to be uh, a quiet weekend of training, which is my favorite thing to do. So that's. Uh, it's good. We got to get some work done, right? So last weekend we showed a few horses and uh, it went pretty good, but I just saw all these little things that I wanted to jump on right away and get them taken care of before we go out to the next show. So it's good. Good. Well, we're kind of in the same boat. We also had a little horse show, um, which went really well. I, I decided after my horses went to the horse park and it was really busy to take them uh, to, I added a show that wasn't on the schedule to another venue and uh, it went really well. And um, the babies had a much easier go of things. So, uh, but same thing. We had some little things that I really want to take care of. We have a horse show next weekend and then we're off for a little while. Um, so, yeah, same thing. We're, well, I'm, I'm actually going to look for a horse for, with a client. But uh, after that, I'll get home and we get going on Monday again. So should be Perfect. Fun. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, well, so what do we got on the show? I was just going to say on Monday oh, okay. we had on, just as a side note, Reese, uh, Monday we had on the director of the Florida Horse Park. And recently the state has uh, given them a $2 million grant. Oh, great. And they were supposed yeah. to decide today, they're looking at possibly, the decision was going to be made today, I think, by the board, uh, they might be building a big indoor. Uh, is that in Ocala? Yep, right here in Ocala. So the Florida yeah. Horse Park is 500 acres, and it's it's beautiful, and they have a lot of outdoor rings, but they've never had an indoor ring, uh, which is kind of important in the summertime because it gets, you know, mm-hmm. without the sun beating on you and everything. Yeah. But they're also hoping to bring in more dressage shows and different types of shows during the winter season down here. Cool. Because not everybody goes down as far as 
as well. Wellington. And Reese, sure. you actually have friends right here that do dressage right near Cal area. So I do. Yeah. I do. Absolutely. It's a love. It's, it's a very nice place. And if you ever have young horses that you don't want to sort of take to the hubbub of Wellington, it's a, it's a really, Ocala is a great place to be. So we've done, we did that for a season and it's a, a nice way to get out of the weather, but, um, not as expensive. A little less expensive. Yeah. A little mm-hmm. less expensive yeah. than Ocala. So that's so there there lots of shows. new facilities coming. Nice. Very shortly. Oh, yep. that's good. Oh, Fingers crossed right. that that goes through. Yep. Well, Philip, what's in the news this week? Well, they started to sell the tickets to the World Equestrian Games in 2014. So um, at this point, all inclusive passes are being offered through a handful of tour operators before they start selling to the public. Um, So I think they've developed four types of passes, um, and three of which I guess are being offered right now. The four kinds, uh, I guess, is there's a sport pass uh, combining several sessions of the same discipline. There's full sport pass. There's a sensation pass, I guess, and combining be- the best of several different disciplines over the, over the weekends. And uh, discovery pass, providing access to several disciplines over one day. Um, but the tickets for the individual stuff will go on sale uh, in the next spring. So you have to wait for that. So they're selling the big passes if you want to go and see a bunch of stuff right now. So that sounds pretty good. And then what else? We got uh, Aachen's CHIO is, uh, is people are getting ready to show that. A lot of American equestrians will be there. More than 20 American equestrians will compete in all of the five disciplines uh, staged at the World Equestrian Festival in Aachen on June 26th to the 30th. Um, the biggest contingent will be the six riders and eight horses entered in every division in dressage. Um, so the dressage competitors include Jan Abling, Shelley Francis, Susan Dutta, Stefan Peters, Tina Konyat, and Carolyn Rothman. So um, there will also be driving, eventing, jumping, and vaulting um, included in the CHIO Aachen. So that's a really huge show, very exciting, and you can't wait to see how the, uh, the Americans uh, do in that big, big stage. Exactly. Philip, do you, know, do you know the Canadians that are riding in dressage? Um, I have not gotten that through in the news. I'm not sure if many of our Canadian competitors have uh, have gone have made the trip over to Europe this summer. Um, so we'll see what's happening, and we'll see if there are some Canadians that are already over there. Maybe Pia Footmuller and uh, and a couple other um, Canadians based in Europe that will be showing in Aachen. We'll see. We'll have to see. I'll let you know. Great. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> Sounds good. So what else we got on the show for today for our so- for our listeners? We have a great show. We have uh, Liz Austin, who is literally just back from two months at Carl Hester's. Uh, So I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing from her and her kind of adventures in England. And then we have Nancy Later that's going to come and talk to us for our trainer tip. So great show for today. But before we do that, I have an email for you guys from not in the United States, but from the country you were just talking about, France. Oh, and I thought you thought I thought it was Canada. No, no, France. Uh, and this we is near. We have all Bar- these great Canadian listeners, right? <laughs> I love getting the Canadian emails because it just boosts boosts us. No, this okay. one's from France Europe. Is good too. Yeah, her France. name is Lucy, yeah. and she's from. I won't say the town she's from because I'll butcher it, but it's near Bordeaux. So, 
that's what she says. She says, hello, I just wanted to drop you a quick email to say hello and how much I enjoy your show on the Horse Radio Network. I live in France and have limited access to quality training, so I try to soak it all up from your shows and the internet. Your training facilities look amazing. I have five horses at home, and they are mainly French trotters and sel Francais. I am trying to retrain them to be successful riding horses, but it's tricky. Can you recommend any good books or DVDs? Many thanks again. Well, first of all, can I say, could you send me one of the trotters? I'd be happy to drive them here in Florida. That'd be fine. So we, no retraining needed. That'd be perfect. Yeah, I think the French trotters are beautiful horses, too. I think. So but I love this question. This, this is a good one because we have never had this question before. And I think it's always interesting to hear sort of what trainers like to read. And, and I have two that I really, really like. Um, the first one is Dressage and Harmony. And it's by Walter Zettel. And uh, it's a great book. It sort of goes through uh, the scale of training and, and sort of reminds us all um, what that is and, and what each piece uh, of, of the puzzle is in a way. So I love that book, Dressage and Harmony. And I try to pick it up at least once a year uh, just as a refresher as we all need it. Um, and then I love 101 Dressage Exercises for Horse and Rider. Uh, yeah, that's a that's good, a good, good one. Good ideas, by, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jacques it's Bellot. Less of, a, less of a book and more of just a yeah, page by page, right? They give you an exercise and you and and something to work on. So that's cool because you got to keep it interesting, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's um, that's a really good one that uh, I like, and and I actually mark it for my students. And uh, if I'm away, I kind of say, hey, you know, leaf through the book and there's some things that, that you may want to take a look at. So really, uh, that's a great book. Philip, how about you? Um, I like all the books from Charles to Comfy. I read, I think, Training Strategies for Dressage Writers. I think that was the first one I read. But uh, great books and very articulate and very good information. A lot of good information on that. And then... Uh, a DVD series. I didn't. I, I don't. You know. I haven't really sat down and watched a lot of DVD series. But um, Kira Kirkwan put one out, and uh, I really enjoyed that. It takes the horse, the horses from young basic training up all the way through the levels, and I I really enjoy. I really um, I like Kira Kirkland's training, and and so it was uh, it was a nice DVD series to watch. So so it's cool. But uh, you know, as far as a specific problem of you know training certain horses to be dressage horses, that's I don't think they make a specific book or DVD. You're going to have to take little tidbits from from everything and, and try and apply it to your horse. I think that's, I mean, that's what we try and do with our training tips and stuff like yep. that. And I think that's a helpful way to to uh, continue to learn and and uh, develop develop good horses and good training habits. So exactly. And being a and driver, the last, I was just okay. going to say too, being a driver, that uh, you know she has trotters there that are obviously good at driving. We try, even the drivers who do competitive driving like Wendy does, the host of the driving radio show, they they try and ride all of their horses. So Yeah, they, she was on our show a couple of weeks ago, yeah. last yeah. week or the week before. Yes. And yeah, she's riding and showing dressage now. So So it can be done is what I'm saying. It can be done. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it can be done. Yeah. It can be, and and I forgot. I, Conrad Schumacher also put out a DVD, and he is he's my instructor. So sometimes I'll have that running in the background when I'm doing uh, laundry or, or the dishes or whatever, and just to kind of hear his voice and hear what he says always helps me. Just kind of, uh, you know, again, just kind of think about other ways to say or or what I should be doing with with a specific course. So that's also a good DVD is uh, Conrad Schumacher's DVD. So. 
I hope that helps. And well, thank you. We'll put a link thank to you, Lucy. Uh, yeah. We'll put a link to these books so that you don't have to remember them all. We'll put a link in our show notes at dressageradio.com. So they'll be there. Well, guys, before we get to Liz Austin, I wanted to say that I heard you talking about your EquityMFG.com manure forks last week, your Flexen forks, and it seems like you guys like them, huh? Oh, my gosh. They're the best things ever. (laughs) They're really, really good forks. We've been using it. It's got a little spring to it. When you do this, because of how it's designed, then the the fork has a little extra flick to it. So I've had had fun with that. I show it. I like the handle. Actually. What, and yeah. you know what? It actually does have a suspension system. If you look closely, it's the only yeah. manure fork with a suspension system built in. So when you're cleaning paddocks and if there's grass in them, you know how you use the regular cheapo manure forks that you buy at uh, Home Depot or, you know, anywhere, and <laughs> you go dig, dig up the poop and it gets stuck in the grass and it flicks oh, the yeah. poop right in your face? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen with these. Yeah, and people happen. don't believe me. And I say, you go out and try it. And try they, it. Yeah. They, they are great. They, I've been know, showing everyone my equity fork, and I think a couple of <laughs> a couple of people are tired of hearing about it. So. <laughs> I'm but, just impressed we haven't broken one. I mean, we are really good at breaking forks around here. Like every week, there's another fork, and it's just so infuriating. So the fact that it is still rocking and rolling is is amazing. Well, it's got to a me. 13 month warranty on it. We, we now he doesn't recommend this. Expect? The owner of the company does not recommend this. Yeah. But we ran it over with the Gator. <laughs> um, to, to over the tines to yeah, to see how really it. strong it was, and yeah. it did not break at all. It's fine. Uh, awesome. We didn't. Now he doesn't recommend that, and he doesn't guarantee if you run it over the gator, it won't oh, break. Okay. But uh, ours didn't <laughs> break, and I've stepped on it. I have done. Oh, the horses have stepped on it. We have done everything we can. We've had ours for about six months. Now, one of the things I wanted to tell you about: you guys have the flexing fork. There's also a shaken fork, which what? is which is like the big daddy of the forks, and it has a <laughs> motor bu- motor built into it. And it has a trigger on the handle, and it's battery-operated. And what it does is it shakes the, the uh, head of the fork for you. So when you're cleaning a lot of stalls, we tell people, if you're cleaning more than three stalls a day, get the shaken fork. Because really? you'll, you'll save half the bedding, and it'll take you half the time. Literally half the bedding, half the time. Really? I That's love the, the shaken fork. We use the it here. Yeah, and it is the best thing. Now, it's not cheap. It's uh, around, it's a little over $200, I think. But let me tell you what, what you're going to save in bedding and time. If you pay somebody and you have 12, 15 stalls a day, and it takes them literally half the time and half the bedding, it's worth the money. Um, And you plug it in like you do your phone at night. Uh, Really? Yeah, you have to plug in your fork. Yep. That's so cool. It's great. Well, if it's anything like the ones we have, they're amazing. So it would be worth it. And you can find that at EquityMFG.com. Go buy one and tell them that you heard about it on the Dressage Radio Show. Well, I am very happy to introduce my friend Liz Austin, who just got back from two months at Carl Hester's. Liz, how are you doing? I am actually doing quite well. I'm finally readjusted to the time difference, which definitely took me a few days there. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And I yeah. saw on, on, on Facebook, your mom said that the horses like milk in their tea now. So do you yeah. like milk in your tea? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fizzy actually will drink tea, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> the, other, the other one, not so much. But Fizzy will drink anything that's in a cup because he thinks that it's something that he should have because he's special. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. So Liz, tell us, you know, start telling about your trip and, and why it was only two months. Uh, I know yeah. our listeners are dying to hear all about it. 
Yeah, no. So I was a very fortunate uh, recipient of um, a grant through the Dressage Foundation. And I actually got that in 2011, I guess. But obviously, Carl was quite busy with the Olympics and winning and everything else. So I was more than happy to come a little bit later. So we did end up only going for two months um, just because one of the horses, the horse that got the grant um, is a stallion. And so as a stallion, they can only be out of the country for 59 days. And if they're out of the country for longer than that, on the way home, they have to do uh, the breeding quarantine, which okay, it stinks because it costs a lot of money, but it also is a little bit silly to, you know, spend two months training and then have to have a month or whatever, however long it is, um, of your selling just being in quarantine. And unfortunately for me, I don't live near a quarantine facility. So we um, just did the 59 days and then ended up coming home and uh, and going right back to work, which is great. So. And can you tell us a little bit about what 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 are they looking for? I mean, just as general interest, maybe not as a dressage interest, but I'm just interested about why they only allow 15. What are they worried about? Do you know why they do that? I I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just a, a logistical thing. I don't. I know that it does have something to do with. Um, I believe the uh, CEM. It's a CEM quarantine. Is, is yeah, that's what yeah, I yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I mean. The 15, I don't know. It yeah, it's, silly it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's just the quarantine things. We deal with that in Canada, too. And, I know. and taking horses know. back and forth over the border, and they can only stay for this yeah. long. So yeah. that's a tricky thing. We'll have to sure. maybe get a guest from um, from Animal Health or something on. But uh, tell us yeah. about the horses that you brought over to England to Carl Hester's with you. So um, the one that I got the grant with is Olivier, who is a 17-year-old Dutch warm blood who has been competing at the Grand Prix level for, gosh, I guess since 2006, um, which is crazy. Um, and then I also brought his son with me as well, who is six this year. Um, um, really quite an interesting horse, really, really a fun horse. Um, his name is Coltrane. And so I felt like it was most beneficial since I was going and taking the time to go to Carl's anyway to bring along sort of a younger up-and-coming horse. Um, and so he, I very was very fortunate in uh, doing some fundraising and, and got some good sponsorship to help me to bring him over as well because, you know, as you know, the flights and everything are quite expensive. And I did get um, a fantastic deal from uh, HFR International, my little plug there, um, and Uberto, who owns the company, was fantastic. But it was, I mean, it's a lot of money. So to have people help me financially to, you know, take these two U.S. bred horses over to train with, the, you know, a gold medalist was a pretty, pretty fantastic experience. If you don't mind, can you give us an idea to our listeners about around about how much money it does cost? I mean, a lot sure. of people, if they're not shipping horses around the world, they might be curious about uh, ab- of about course. that. Yeah. So. So with training and, um, you know, training and, and shipping and, and all that stuff, and, you know, the, the little paperwork stuff with the health certificate and everything that all adds up, it ended up being right around 25000 a horse, um, probably a little bit less, but, I mean, it was, it was pretty expensive. So, and then, you know, the hotel going down and, you know, staying over the night before the flight and, and all that, I mean, it, it really comes up, and that doesn't include um, where I stayed, or renting a car, or feeding myself, or anything, you know, because obviously for two months I didn't get to make any money, so that was a little painful, but it, it was definitely, it was more than worth it, for sure, so. So, so the 25000 Liz, is for the total two months for being there, that's, for the horses? Yep, 
Yeah, Got fur it. horse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Got it. So, Liz, I am dying to know what your days were like. I'm in, like, in love with Carl Hester and Charlotte. Yeah, so, no. You know, he, the- and, you know, he's just as fantastic in real life as uh, as he seems on, on YouTube and everywhere else. He's um, just really a nice, nice person and a fantastic rider. And, you know, Fiona, the yard manager, was really great and just ha- helping to make me really feel at home. And I, I really wasn't homesick. Everyone was just so nice. Um, and so, you know, sort of a typical day. I usually would have the first ride, so I'd ride Fizzy around 8 o'clock in the morning, and then I would um, hustle to get, you know, him all taken care of and it's all mucked out and everything. And then I basically just got to, you know, watch for the rest of the day, which was fantastic, um, just getting to sort of be be there and, and take it all in. And, and it was absolutely incredible to just see horse after horse after horse come out, and they were through and forward and happy and had straight changes and did easy PF massage. And I mean, he probably has, you know, half a dozen Grand Prix horses. They were almost Grand Prix horses. And so, you know, to really see his system at work was, was just a, a real treat because there isn't ever any drama, you know, it's just, they, they really work the horses in a really nice way. Can you give us a little gleam into your experience, like, you know, um, some of the training issues that you might have had with your horse uh, before going over, some examples of sure. some stuff that you might have worked through and, uh, and sure. how Carl helped you? Yeah, that would be really, yeah. really nice for us to no, hear. Definitely. definitely. Um, you know, with, with Fizzy, the, the biggest issue with Elevier, um, the biggest issue I run into him is, you know, we always joke that we win the warm-up and I can really get him nicely in front of me in the warm up, and then when we get in the test, he just kind of gets behind me, and and uh, I a little bit lose steering and and the ability to do very much. And so, you know, Carl really focused on just, um, you know, one of the big things that we did was just really getting him to go equally to both reins because he'd prefer to be sort of strong and and stiff on the left rein and then a little bit hollow on the right rein. So, you know, just some work getting him to really push through to both reins. Um, and, uh, and keeping him enough in front of me, you know, in the, especially in the pirouettes and in the piazza massage. And, um, that worked out, I think really, really well. So I'm, I'm quite excited with the progress we made. And then with, uh, with Coltrane, you know, he just, he's sort of at that nice age where he's just learning everything, you know? So it was really great to have Carl's input as, you know, we're teaching him the changes and teaching him the half steps and teaching him the lateral work. Um, you know, I, I feel like it gave us a really good foundation for sort of continuing with all of that. Oh, that's fabulous. So tell us, what was your favorite exercise that you learned over there on both horses? So I have become a huge, well, there's a couple. Um, I love posting trot shoulder in now. You know, they really don't do a lot of sitting trot. Um, They, you know, really make the horses swing through first and and get them nice and supple in their backs, and then they'll sit. And so posting trot shoulder in both directions, like really, like bigger and more forward than, than most sort of, not to be brood, but you know, most American riders, you know, we, we don't go as big as the Europeans do. And, and so just like big forward to the bit, really making them push through. Um, I, I would say that that for sure with both horses was one of my favorite exercises. And then also with, um, with Fizzy, I had for sure some issues with the pirouettes and him sort of anticipating. And so a couple of things that Carl does differently is he had an exercise where he had me, you know, half pass, let's say to the center line and then go straight up the center line and shoulder in and then do a half pirouette immediately out in half pass. So the pirouette wasn't the be all and end all. The movements before and after were also there. So 
it allowed me to keep riding sort of past the end of the movement, if that makes sense. And, uh, and really helps him to stop anticipating where, where things were going to come and, and happen. Well, that sounds really, really cool. And, and just incorporating things into your own system and, and, yeah. and learning all the time. I think that's really, really nice part that you can, you know, you have a Grand Prix horse that's been doing Grand Prix for a while, but he can continue <laughs> to learn and you, and you keep training. And I think that's, that's yeah. really fun. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about your England experience, you know, away from the horses and stuff like that? What did you, did you get? get out to visit some stuff and, and what did you see? I I did, yeah. So um, I was very lucky that my boyfriend came over for a week and my mom came over for a week. So with the boyfriend, we did more, you know, touristy stuff where we went and saw a local, you know, medieval castle and we went to, there's this cool place called the, what is it, the International Birds of Prey Center. So we went and saw a bunch of the different hawks and uh, kestrels and all that. And they had, I think they had a bunch of owls just like, fun animal adventure and then uh we went we went to the Cotswold which I guess is really famous it was lovely and you know we somehow ended up in a little folk festival fair thing so everyone was all dressed up and uh there's lots of dancing and merriment so that was great but I mean everyone in England is really nice really really nice and it actually looked quite a bit like Vermont which is where I'm from so very green and beautiful and small country roads they definitely have smaller roads than we do here but um but it was it was a great a really great experience i kept saying you know if it wasn't for my boyfriend and my horses at home i would have just stayed there (laughs) no it looks like it and i followed your trip on facebook so i was always so jealous i was always watching what you were doing i was like oh she's having so much fun so Liz, one of the things that we were, um, you know, we've, we've read on Carl and we've actually talked about some of his training tips uh, on the show before, but he does a lot of work outside the arena, doesn't he? Yep. 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 So I actually got to, without naming any names, I got to hack out some of his more famous horses, um, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they go out on Wednesdays and Saturdays for a good solid hour and they go out and hack along the roads, and they go up the hills and down the hills and past the sheep and past the, you know, big tractors and blowing laundry. And, I mean, those things are troopers. And, you know, perhaps, you know, the the group that's there maybe is more seasoned, and, and I didn't see all the bumps along the way. But, I mean, I took a five-year-old out, and he was fantastic. They're, it's really great how they're really treated as horses, and, you know, they get turnout. And uh, he's got a, a, a group that go out overnight. And, 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 you know, together, which is unheard of and everyone's happy and, uh, and you know, they re- they get to interact a lot with sort of things outside of the dressage arena, which makes them very well-rounded as, as horses. So. Well, it sounds fun, but maybe a little bit too interesting for me some days. I just yeah. want to stay in the arena <laughs> and, and just ride it. Cause fast. it snows in Canada all the time. Yeah, and oh, it snows no. too much here. Yeah. So that, that would be a problem. So Liz, tell us what's yeah. next for you. Oh boy! I what's don't know. what's on the plans? Um, you know, when are we well, going to see you next so, in the ring? Yeah, so I'd love to show Fizzy in some national shows. Um, I mean, he I just had such a hard time with him in the in the CDIs, and um, so I'm going to try, you know, riding him with a whip in a in a few national shows. And it's so funny; it's not even that I really need it, but I just think that I, you know, a couple of times might need to give him a couple little taps and say, "Hey, you need to stay together," because. I would love for, you know, whether it's in the international ring or in the national ring, for the judges to at least see what we can do. Because, I mean, Carl was really thrilled. And uh, he said that he wished that he was 10 years old again. But it is what it is. 
um, you know, but he, you know, he, he's knock on wood, a, a happy sound Grand Prix horse. So my goal is to just try and, and go some, go and do some nice clean Grand Prix tests with him. As long as he seems, you know, happy and willing, we'll, we'll keep doing that. So, um, and then for the younger one, obviously, you know, we'll keep sort of training him up. We actually did a few four tempies last night, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll just bring him along and, you know, he'll be, I guess he's six this year, so he has plenty of time. So, um, we'll just keep taking him to shows and seeing how he does. Great. Well, we cannot wait to continue to follow you. And um, like I said, your trip, it looked like so much fun and I was so jealous, but so excited that you were able to take the trip. So Liz, how do our listeners find you on the internet and continue to follow your journey? Yeah. So I actually have been blogging for um, Horse Hero, which is a British, British based website. And you can uh, actually can't remember if it's, you can either register or subscribe for free, uh, one or the other. So if it seems like it costs money, you can actually read the blog for free. Um, but if you do sign up for it, there's lots of stuff you can look at as well for, as far as videos and stuff. But that's just horsehero.com. And you can read blog entries from like the last two years on there. And then I have a website as well, com. And you can always find me on Facebook. I have, uh, I don't know probably close to 2000 friends on Facebook. So if anyone wants to be friends on Facebook, you will be inundated with horse pictures and, and goofy horse stuff, but uh, you can definitely find me there as well. Great. Well, thanks Liz for your time and good luck on your journey. Of course. Thank you. Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Well, this week's trainer tip comes from Nancy Later, FEI trainer, uh, who lives in New England and also in Wellington, Florida. Well, Nancy, thanks so much for coming this evening onto the Dressage Radio Show. We're excited to have you. Excited to be here. So tell us your weekly trainer tip for us all. Well, I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, positive AIDS versus defending AIDS. I think that that's one of the things that uh, people sometimes get confused when their horse makes a mistake. And they're not sure what to do. 
and what's the most important thing and everything becomes you know kind of a downhill slide from there so I encourage my students to think more about the positive way to ask for that transition or leg yield or shoulder in whatever they're working on what is the positive way to ask for it and instead of telling the horse no no don't do that tell them to do this instead so we have, uh, in general, some very basic things that we do to communicate with the horses from training level up. We build on those things. And I always like that my horses are following the inside rein, that they wait a little bit on the outside rein, that they move forward and away from the legs. And then we put those things together uh, to create different movements. But... It's very easy for all of a sudden somebody, even with the most um, positive intentions, that the horse will get confused about what to do. So when we end up in those places, um, it's very important to think, how can I communicate to my horse? What do I want him to do? Instead, let that take over for what I don't want them to do. Because when we think more and more about the positive, then sometimes those negative things, those bad habits, those bad things, they start to disappear. So uh, I think one of the biggest uh, mistakes we find when with these um, moving up levels, training level to first level, and we want to make a lengthening in the trot and we don't want our horses to canter for instance yeah i think that's a common one yeah Yeah, that's a good one yeah yeah we've all had that happen and how many times do you want to just say no don't canter (laughs) it's so it's so easy to just jump on that and um what is the essence of the of the movement we want the horse to think that it's okay to go forward so we have to go, we have to let them make that mistake sometimes. We have to, to break out of the limitations of what we've been working on all that time, this working trot, and now all of a sudden we want to grow it to a lengthening. And sometimes the horse is going to make mistakes. They're going to lose their balance, and they might break to canter. And for me, that is not the worst mistake ever. The worst mistake is that they don't listen to your leg and that they don't try to change. And then we develop what is that change into a lengthening over several days and weeks and months. It might not happen all at the, at the you know same time in the same lesson. So we have to go think about growing it. And if you go across the diagonal and you put your legs on and you ask your horse to make a lengthening and they break to the canner, I would not... I would try not to tell them first with the reins, don't do that. I would still encourage them to be going forward, encouraging them to stretch their stride, and then within that forwardness, bring them calmly back to trot and then back encourage that that bigger trot again within a couple steps. And that, of course, depends a little bit on your own balance and your capabilities to communicate those things in a short period of time. And if you feel like you're losing your balance, then you might wait until the next diagonal to encourage that lengthening again, bring them back to the trot and um, organize organize the, the rhythm, get your balance back, and then go again. But I've always think about 
did the horse make a mistake, you know, of course not on purpose. So how can we teach them in a positive way? Yes, I wanted you to go forward, but I wanted the steps longer, not to go to the canner and um, keep riding on the forward way, even if they get to the canner. The next time you make, you're, you're going to think, okay, that's my limit. I can't, maybe I can't go into a bigger trot than that, you know, on that diagonal, but, but make sure that the forward is the first thing, the positive, um, that the horse gets that point step by step. That's a very good example, uh, Nancy, of positive riding. I think that's really handy to not correct too fast or, or, or just to jump all over the horse. Are there any other examples um, you know, for our listeners of how to ride maybe a leg yield in a positive way when, when the horse makes mistakes? I love that. I love the shoulder in and uh, the leg yield. It's the same thing. We start to add that idea of going sideways as well as going forward from our leg. That's, that's a new concept for the horses. The first thing we teach them is that they go forward from the leg. And then the next one is that we block just a little bit in front and encourage them to go sideways from the leg. And it's very easy for the horses to lose a little bit their balance or to try to go forward at that time that you're asking them to go sideways. And people might use a descending aid for too long and start to hold the horse up in front. And then all of a sudden we have this domino effect of the horse not being anymore in self-carriage, embraced a little bit against the rider's hand, then the rider has to brace themselves to um, keep their balance and their position. And all of a sudden, what was, was starting out as this nice, you know, sideways leg yielding movement turns into this blocked, holding, no more rhythm in the gait kind of a thing. So what I like to think about is the same thing. What are the positive aids for the leg yield? In the leg yield, you want to have each step very slightly forward and very slightly sideways with the horse. If we're going, for instance, from the center line to the wall, we want the horse to be parallel to the wall with a very slight positioning around the inside leg. So we're moving away from the flexion. The positive aids are going to be away from this, we're moving from the left to the right, we're moving away from the left leg toward the right ring, toward the wall on the right. Everything must be an aid and a relaxing of the aid. At any time that the horse loses their balance, we must make a half off, a little weight, and then of course relax, make sure that the horse is back in balance, and then start again with the left leg aid. At any time when we're teaching these things, and then, again, when we get to the show ring, we find that we are doing more and the horse starts to carry themselves less. That's defending aids. And you are defending that the horse might fall too quickly or you're defending, holding them on the inside ring so they don't go too quickly. So no longer riding with positive aids. So we have to be very careful. Sometimes we add a little bit of defending aids to correct, but absolutely it's just an aid, it's a step or a step or two, but then we must relax that, make sure that the horse got the point, and then continue on with the positive aid. Does he give to my inside leg? Does he wait on my outside rein? Okay, and next step. 
Does he give to my inside leg? Does he give to my outside ring? Okay, next step. I love that. I mean, I think that's that's exactly what we're trying to do every time we ride. And Nancy, I, I also loved how you talked about the essence of the movement. I think we all sort of forget that in a way. What do you think? I think that that's um, it's hard uh, concept, you know, from now where I am now in my education and in my training. And uh, when I think back and I was really trying to learn so many things, it was kind of a hard concept to grasp. But I think the more that you think about each, let yourself be peaceful with each level and each um, movement that you're learning. And learn exactly like that. Learn what is the essence of the aid. What is the essence of the movement? What are we trying to accomplish? Because it's so easy to start thinking that the frame is the most important thing. That having the fancy front legs is the most important. But in dressage, I think balance is the most important thing. And and why do we want to have the right frame? We want to have the right frame because it makes it easier for us to convey the, you know, through the horse, that balance for us to be in balance with each other. So sometimes I I get a little bit um, concerned with people that start thinking too much about the neck position or... Um, the frame that this turns into defending aids again. This turns into uh, missing out on that the essence of dressage, which is this harmony and lightness and communication between the rider and the horse. And when we think that we have to hold our horses up and we have to pressure them into the movement, then we're we're missing. We're just missing so much of the. Um, of the sport, and it's well, you take it to a horse show. So, for instance, at home, maybe that works out a little bit, but then you get to the show, and all of a sudden, the atmosphere is new, and the weather is cold, and the tents are flapping, and you have been, you know, riding your horse a little bit under pressure and with a little bit lack of balance and understanding. All of a sudden, this horse that used to feel like it was under control and feel like everything was working right, those defending needs don't make sense to them anymore, and they become very frightened and, and nervous from uh, from the whole situation. So I think our this system that we're talking about in the defending aids and the positive aids and riding in balance, it, it will carry over and it will take you in such a positive way as well to the shows where the horses can trust you, they can follow your aids, they don't change because you get to a show. That system, you know, just continues in such a good way and a, and a confident way for our horses. I think many times you see riders that maybe they're they're being introduced themselves to a new movement on maybe a green horse that they're working on training and, and problems arise because the rider isn't, it doesn't know it that well, and then they get into kind of trying to force the horse to maybe like leg yield move sideways, or kind of force them to to um, to do a lengthening, for instance, like we talked about. And then the, you kind of forget that the horse has to kind of enjoy it and learn it as well. So it becomes just it can be a very frustrating situation that you kind of 
have to step step back from sometimes and just you know rethink it right and not and not try and overdo it or or force it and and just remember that the horse has to want to do um, what you're asking and and you have to be clear but not overly strong is that is that the idea you know positivity a hundred percent and i think that um in each week of training with my horses i think some of the days might actually be spent more on some of those mental aspects without looking so much for the expressiveness and um, even learning, you know, newer movements or uh, moving them along in their training. But maybe two days a week will just be spent on, on those mental aspects. When I do this, this is what I expect from you. When I use a little more inside rain, this is what I want. When I, you know, put my legs on, this is what I expect. And, of course, depending on the level of your horse, what you expect back as feedback is going to be a little bit more advanced as the horses become advanced. But even our Grand Prix horses need to be reminded every once in a while, you know, that when you make a half halt, that does not mean take a hold of my reins and go running off. Uh, we warm up our Grand Prix horses just the same as we would warm up our younger horses. And that warm-up includes a little bit of those tuning aids and reminders, you know, when I do this, this is what I expect. And every ride, if you, if you find all of a sudden that something isn't working, you have a chance to just absolutely take a step back there's so many factors that can come into it, whether it's physical or, or something stressful or some outside influence that the horse isn't able to concentrate. But when we get on our horses every day, we want them, when we get off, to be a little bit better. And it's so easy to, you know, let something interfere and, and that we react too quickly or we... Um, don't have that patience to find out, hey, what, you know, what's going on here? You're, you're, you're misunderstanding me. Take that, take that couple minutes and explain it again. Let thoroughly break it down for them because horses don't always, uh, read everything exactly how we do. And, um, sometimes if we, if we made an aid a little too sharp or, a little bit too strong or a little bit too long, we might get a reaction from the horse that we didn't anticipate or something that we didn't like. But I think we need to be strict and we need to be, you know, organized, but we also need to be compassionate that we we can um, make mistakes or, you know, ride out of feel, out of rhythm or, you know, without the correct feel and, and let's be compassionate with our horses and, and give them another chance, explain it again, you know, build them up slowly. And exactly like you said, take, take a step back and say, okay, let's, let's analyze this. Why, why didn't it work exactly at that moment? Um, but I, I do like taking a couple days every week and, and just instead of putting the pressure, is my extended trot is big and my shoulder in that big? Is my half ass going sideways enough? Just take, take those little, you know, that little time to make the step smaller and bigger, to make the neck lower or higher, you know, to, to you know, just work those little things without the complications of um, 
having to do a whole test that day. And and it makes it more fun, you know. And the next day, all the, the work goes, you know, a little bit easier, and, and the horses are a little more uh, with me, feel, because of I, that, uh, getting I, together with them. I love that. I mean, that's just a, just a great reminder for all of us. So, Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening. If our listeners wanted to find you on the Internet, how do they do that? My website is uh, www.nancylaterdresshorses.com. Well, Philip, I'm so glad that Lucy wrote in with email uh, with an email question. That is great. Keep those coming. We really enjoy answering those questions and or finding someone to answer those questions. So thanks so much for doing that. And Philip, I hope you have a great weekend of training this week. It's going to be fun. I mean, I just, you know, you, you want to count on the weather. As long as we have good weather, it'll be fun days and we'll get riding through some tests and, you know, perfe- perfecting the, those tests and, uh, you know, winning, win, going out and winning some more ribbons. That's that's what that's the summer's what all I'm about. Saying. Making yeah. a collection of ribbons, right? I like so. it. Well, actually, I have a craft project. Everybody, I'm not extremely crafty, but I will put it up on the website once we get it done as I have a wreath uh, and we're going to make a ribbon wreath. So one of my friends made it. So uh, I will show my cool. craft project. Yeah, I've seen uh, some of these once, cool yeah. cool things that people are doing with the ribbons, you know, making blankets or, or quilts mm-hmm. and all that kind of cool stuff. So. Yeah, I'll let you know. Right, I was going to make him with all of Denali's ribbons. So I will make it and because um, <laughs> it's his first show season. So I think that's right. pretty fun. So um, so everyone, I'll let you know how my craft project goes. Uh, and I don't burn myself with a glue gun. That's potential. Hey, before so, we wrap up here, though, Reese, did you see Philip all dressed up in the pictures on Facebook? <laughs> I don't Boy think I dress did. up nice. Yeah, yeah I was in Aww, my friend's wedding. We had tuxes. Yeah. It was fun and cute. Yeah, we had a good time. Wow, you're practicing for your own wedding. I like it. You gotta, you it's gotta put that text on every once in a while. Yeah, yeah suit it up. <laughs> oh, I mean, yay. we don't get the opportunity to dress up like some people do. You know, I don't get to go into an office with a nice tie and and a good outfit. So it's nice to dress up, go out, you know, once in a while. I like it. I think so, too. I like to put on a skirt in the evening, that's for sure. And and, and look, not like I'm wearing britches all the time, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I do try as well every once in a while to, to do that. But um, everyone, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests at our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors with their great fork equity and don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. 